Hey guys, Pastor Ben. Thank you for joining us here on FCC Online. We are truly thankful and appreciate you taking the time to watch and listen to our messages. One thing that I do want to encourage you to do is as you're watching these, please don't allow these to be your primary resource in your spiritual journey and your walk with Jesus. Keep these as a supplement to what you do on a weekly basis from the gathering, uh, being connected, being part of a life of a local church body. We want these to bless you. We want these messages and these videos to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. But please do not allow these to replace anything that you have to do with a local church body. Good morning, First Church. Morning. I, uh, I hope my voice holds up. I've uh, talked quite a bit this weekend, which is, I mean, let's be honest, it's nothing unusual. Uh, football game Friday night, football game yesterday, and you know, there, there's a chance that on Friday night you may have, well, all of Grayson may have heard me over the speakers getting a little excited uh, during the football game. But uh, anyhow, my name is Ben James. I am the lead pastor here. If you're visiting with us here at First Church for the first time, we are grateful that you are here with us. We are going to continue our look into the book of Hebrews this week, and we're going into chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at the perfecter of our faith. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you, about, you know, we usually have a handful of slides up here. Uh, this morning, you're only going to have a couple. Uh, I, um, I, I woke up this morning uh, kind of feeling led into a little bit of a different direction than what I had planned on going throughout the week. Still going to be the same passage of Scripture, but I am, uh, you know, one of the things that I always ask in my prayer time in the lead up and preparations of messages, and then when I first get going on Sunday mornings is, Holy Spirit, I want to be sensitive to you. I want to be faithful and sensitive to what God is wanting to say during this time. And, and if it's not, if he's wanting to say something that I'm not necessarily prepared for all week, I want to not get so locked in on something and so rigid uh, that, that we don't do this. But this morning, I, I just want to encourage us a little bit through God's scripture. I want to encourage your hearts here today. Anybody in here could use some encouragement this morning. Like, yeah, it's like that's, that's never going to be a, a, a sour note, right? I mean, that's, that's always one of those things that we need encouragement. And, and we're going to talk about the perfecter of faith. We're going to look at that towards the end of the message. But right now, if you have your Bibles, go ahead. If you're already at Hebrews chapter 12, uh, we're going to be reading the first three verses this morning. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, so if your translation has something a little bit different, or if you're uh, on your Bible app on your phone and, and not on Facebook, uh, then you can go ahead and make that adjustment uh, to the ESV version. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight of sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let's pray. 
very quickly this morning. Father, we come to you right now before, um, you know, before we start talking in depth about your word. And God, we just ask that your perfect word would do its perfect work in our hearts this morning. God, I pray for each and every one that's here, each and every one that hears this message, that God, you would touch our hearts, you would open our eyes and minds of understanding that your word could speak to us what we need this morning. God, I pray that you would uh, speak through me, Holy Spirit, use my voice to speak the words that you want said simply, concisely, and God, I want to say everything that needs to be said and nothing in addition. Father, it's in your name, amen. Therefore, what's it there for, right? That was therefore to try to trip me, apparently. Therefore is what it starts off with. So it's connecting a thought. So we're coming out of chapter 11. Chapter 12 starts with the word therefore. So there's, there's an imperative. There's something that's getting ready to happen. There's a command that's an instruction that's getting ready to be given. So he's attaching this. The writer is attaching this back to chapter 11. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And that's one of those things. This is another one of those pieces of where it's super important for us to make sure that we are reading and consuming and studying the Bible in its context. Because if you just read this verse, like, you know, and we've all kind of done it. It's like, oh, Lord, speak to me. I'm just going to randomly flip open my Bible and right there. Okay, speak to me. And if you see this surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, doesn't make sense on its own. Right? That's a weird wording. We don't use that much anymore. You know, it's like, since I'm surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what does that mean? He's tying it back to chapter 11. All of the men and women that he had just talked about who had, by their faith, been rewarded by God, been commended by God. Those are the witnesses that the writer's referring to here. So the great cloud of witnesses is the men and women in times past that God had not only been faithful to them, but they were faithful to him also. Whether it was faithful to him in good times or faithful to him in not so good times. So that's the cloud of witnesses. Then we get a let us statement. We get maybe one of the most important imperative statements and commandments and instructions that we find in the book of Hebrews. Now, chapter 10 was full of them. There was four or five of them in there. But this one, he's coming back around to it after giving the examples of faith. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Notice the difference here. The writer says that we need to lay aside sin. And I think all of us would agree with that, wouldn't we? Like as we're running a race, we need to lay aside sin because that's willing disobedience to God and what he wants. Yes, we don't need sin in our lives. We need to lay it aside. But I love how the writer before that says to lay aside every weight. Some translations say every encumbrance, every hindrance. 
There are things in this life, moral things, that may not be wrong on the surface, but if they weigh you down in your race, in your relationship, in your walk with God, we are commanded here to lay it aside. The writer goes on, talks here about running a race. I don't run. I, I can at times, okay, but you, I don't know. I mean, I know we got some runners in here, and I get it. You all talk about that runner's euphoria. Listen, I've chased it. I ain't found it, all right? I don't care how long I've run. They're like, oh, you just hit this euphoric state, and I'm just like, really? I hit the pavement. Like, that's what I hit. But the writer begins to use this illustration that's easy for not only us to understand now, but would have been really easy for the, the original audience to have understood that this is a race. This life of faith is like a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not a short thing. It's not something that we do one day and then take a day off, maybe two days off, three days off, and then revisit it. But this instruction is let us lay aside every weight, every sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, just to further my point about not running, the Greek word that we get the, that's translated to race here is the word that we get agony from. Just throwing that out there. But see, there are things in our life that may not be just out and out overt sin, may not be just absolutely wrong. There can actually be some really good things in our lives, but if it is holding us back, if it is weighing us down, if it is slowing us up in our race of faith, if it's causing a hindrance in your relationship with God, you need to cast it off. Throw it aside. And that's what the writer's trying to emphasize to us here. It's like, it doesn't matter how quote-unquote good that it may be in your definition or according to the world or to the standards of the day. It doesn't matter what the moral code or the moral compass is at this time. If it is not helping you in your relationship with Christ, if it is slowing you down, if it is hindering you, if it is encumbering to you, then you need to lay it aside. Things like, I don't know, our hobbies. Listen, I went golfing on Thursday. I didn't lose my temper one time feel pretty accomplished. But these things that we enjoy that help us to detach, is there anything wrong with golfing? Well, if you see me golf, there may be. But anyhow, no, there's nothing wrong. Fishing, whatever, these pursuits, these hobbies, these things that you have, they're good outlets, but if they're holding you back from your relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to lay them aside. Video games. Anybody? Anybody? Like, listen, I'll still fire up some Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> my generation. Some people in here just like, golly. 
We give this guy a microphone every week. He's like, I don't understand it. But I mean, it's things like that. I mean, it's a good outlet. It's fun. But if it takes away from my relationship with Jesus Christ, then it needs to be put aside. Let's, let's maybe get a little bit more close to home. What about these pursuits that we have as a family? What about some of these extracurriculars that we have, that we're pushing, that we're going, that we're, we're, we're continually running after? We need to take some inventory sometimes because, yes, we need to be aware of the sin that's in our lives, no doubt. No doubt. We need to make sure we're taking care of that. But I think that a lot of times what we fail to do is truly take inventory of the other things in our lives and say, are these really propelling me in my relationship with God? Are these really helping me in my relationship with God? Are they pushing me towards Him? Did you know that even now, in like the Olympics or any type of competitive running, there is no rule whatsoever that would forbid you to run with the 50-pound sack of sand around your neck? There's not. And if you ever see me run, it's kind of what it looks like. But there's no rule that prohibits carrying extra weight while you run. How many runners have you ever seen that's voluntarily carrying extra weight? None. Why? Because it holds them back. It slows them up. Listen, thankfully our Olympics aren't like this anymore, but when the Olympics originally started, it wasn't uncommon for people to run naked. I'm sorry, I'm in Eastern Kentucky. Run naked. They'd run naked. But they would do this because there was less resistance. You see, there are things in our lives that weigh us down, and this is what the, the author here is telling us, that we not only need to lay aside the sin that keeps us from God, we need to lay aside the weights in our lives, the things in our lives that may not necessarily on the surface be bad things, but if they're slowing us down in our race to win this prize, this race of faith, then we need to be aware of them and we need to lay them aside. And then verse 2 gives us the instruction, says, looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. In this race, in this life, in this journey that we're on, our eyes need to be fixed on Jesus. We closed the service last week with the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I remember a strategy I had one time. I'm going to tell you about it. It was an unofficial race, and this story will get you somewhere. It'll make you laugh, and it will, again, solidify the fact of why do we give this guy a microphone every week. We were camping when I was growing up down in Pigeon Forge. We had a 17-foot, 60-some model Winnebago. Oh, that thing was a Cadillac, baby. But we would go down, and we would camp at Jellystone, It was the Yogi Bear-themed campground at that point. I had a Huffy 50 bicycle. I mean, I could jump anything with that bad boy. 
Well, there was a couple girls that were camping not too far down from us, and they brought their bikes too. And they asked me if I wanted to go on a bike ride. <laughs> yeah, I do. Let me go ask my mom. Hang on. So I got permission. I was like, yes. So we're way up on top of this hill. Okay? And the hill that you, you, know, you drive up is paved. All right? And they've got like these 10-speed bikes that are just like built streamlined for speed. You know, I'm an off-road kind of guy in my huffy right there, you know. So anyhow, we take off. I get permission. We take off, and they fly down the hill. Well, I mean, it's obvious my future wife is one of those two girls. All right, so I need to make an impression here. So they get down to the bottom of the hill. They make a nice little left-hand turn. I'm like, all right, here we go. Boom, straight down. Listen, I had a kid on my school bus one time tell me that he wished that Sir Isaac Newton would have never invented gravity. Let that one sink in for a minute. Isaac Newton invented gravity. But anyhow, I was experiencing gravity in this moment because I was going downhill and I was picking up speed. And I get to where I'm supposed to start turning left and I take my eyes off of what's in front of me and I begin to look at a distraction. One of the two girls. Anyhow, that was over here. They had made a left turn. So I go and I make that left turn. I turn just a little too quickly though because <laughs> I hit the gravel instead of the pavement. And I end up wiping out and just like tore the left side of my body up. I took my eyes and my focus off of where it needed to be and ended up paying a price for it. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus the prize, the end goal, the, the reason that we're living this Christian life, the purpose behind this, the one who serves as our hope, the one that serves as our joy, the one that keeps us focused as to why we're doing what we're doing. We don't need to watch our feet. We don't need to watch the scenery. We don't need to watch the things that are coming because in this life, there will be things that come along in this race that are simply meant to discourage us. Simply designed to take our eyes off of Jesus. Simply designed to have doubt creeping in to discourage our hearts. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Why? Because he gave us an example. says that, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus even in the midst of knowing and going and going through the cross of Calvary, kept his eyes on the joy that was set before him. That thing that was on the other side. So Jesus endured terrible, a terrible situation because he had his focus on God. So we know that Jesus set his eyes on joy. I believe that he has also given us some things that we've learned about, that we've seen through this study, that we can keep our eyes on some sources that he has given for us to help us keep our eyes on him. And the first one we learned about in chapter 11, his faithfulness. 
We didn't go character by character through chapter 11. We didn't go through all of their stories. But I can promise you with each and every person in chapter 11, God's faithfulness to them was far greater than their faithfulness to him. And isn't that true in our lives as well? Hasn't God been faithful to you when you have not been faithful to him? Has God ever been faithful to you when you're not deserving of it? Let me give you an example of this. Everybody, if you can, take a deep breath in. That's an undeserved breath for each and every one of us. That's God being faithful to us, providing for us, supplying for us when we don't deserve it. Because my faithfulness is faltered and fallible at best. But we see that God is faithful even when we are not. And that needs to be part of this race as we're running, as we're going through, as we're maybe facing a difficult time, as we're pushing through something. That is something that we need to make sure that we keep in our focus that, listen, God has been faithful to me. In every trial, in every test, in every difficult situation, God has been faithful, and he's not going to stop now. His faithfulness will not stop now. So he's given us this source of joy that we see in chapter 11, that no matter how messed up the man or the woman was in the Old Testament, God was faithful. God was faithful. The second thing I think that we see in Hebrews 10, 24, in some of the other let us statements, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> is he has given us fellow believers to encourage us. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us not grow weary in encouraging one another. Let us spur one another on. Let us encourage one another. If you've got any history as far as the Christian faith, and you've got any history with this church or a church or the people that you've been around, there have been times that the only thing that has kept you going has been your brothers and sisters in Christ coming alongside of you, encouraging you, praying for you, reaching out to you, loving you, just being there for you, hugging your neck. We need each other to run this race. Amen? I need you to run this race. So Hebrews 10, 24, let us not grow weary of encouraging one another. Find someone. Go out of your way to encourage someone. Not just today, but every day. Ask God for that because guess what? The opportunity to encourage one another is always there. And I think that the next thing, the other thing of joy that he gives us is just the overall picture. Just the overall picture of everything. Just this plan, this race. Turn to Philippians chapter 1, just really quickly. Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And this is where we kind of come into this author and perfecter 
this beginning and the end, the one who completes our faith. I know that the race that you're facing may be difficult right now. I know that you may be experiencing loss. You may be experiencing grief. There may be sorrow. There may be pain. There may be hurt. There may be suffering during this time. But understand something, that you are running the race that God has laid out before you. You are on the path as Christ followers that He wants you on. And not only is He the author of sustaining your life, He's also the perfecter of it. Even though we can't see the end of the race, guess what? We serve one who does. We serve the one who knows the beginning from the end. We know the one. We serve the one that our hope, our joy, our patience, our endurance, our perseverance, everything has to be rooted in this because if it's up to me and my hope and my joy and for me to sustain me, I may not even make it through the afternoon. You may not even make it through the afternoon because guess what? Life is not easy. Aren't you glad you're sitting down for some of these, like, revelations? It's like, but that's all, and, and we can look. You can read ahead. We're not going to get to it today, but the rest of this chapter kind of starts talking about God's correction and when He kind of chastises us, when He has to set us back in the right, or, nope, going the wrong way. That's not always easy. It's painful. The correction can be painful, but it's always for our good. And why do we need it? Because He knows what's best for us. He knows the end. He is my source of hope. He is the one that I look to to go, God, I'm trusting in you. Because there have been times in my life where I have been convinced that what I was going through was going to be the end. That I was not going to make it through that situation. And I look back now, and yes, it was painful. Yes, it was damaging. Yes, it hurt me. Yes, there was sorrow and grief and so much pain and sometimes agony and despair in those moments. But guess what? God was faithful, and he brought me through. And I can look back now and say that I am where I am today because of the goodness and the grace of God and His mercy and His providence that brought me through the seasons of desert, the seasons of wilderness, the seasons of pain in my life. I am standing where I am right now, but by the grace of God. And if you walked into this building today, if you're hearing this message today, if you're drawing a breath today, it is not over. Hope is not lost. Do not abandon your faith in Jesus Christ because according to Romans 8, 28, if it ain't good, it ain't over. If it ain't good, it ain't done. It may feel like it. It may seem like it. But I want to encourage your heart this morning that no matter how low of a valley you may find yourself in, there is hope in Jesus Christ. So what's a couple things we can do? Number one is realize that we're not alone, right? 
Like, I am not alone in this. And then Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 29 through 31. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even the young shall faint and be weary, and the young shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Is anybody glad of that promise that we find in Isaiah this morning? Lay aside what's in your life that may be weighing you down. Lay aside the weight that's slowing you up. Lay aside the sin that's keeping you from running. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look to Him as you're running this race. Make sure that you are looking to others as a source of encouragement, your brothers and sisters. You know, I, I did... Uh, I read several years ago, when they have like a marathon, an organized one, that whoever is hosting it will intentionally stage people along the way to do nothing other than to cheer, to give water, to encourage to try to motivate the people when they're thinking about giving up. And the thing about it is, is no matter even if the beginning of the marathon, no matter if the beginning of the race is difficult, you're going to find very few people there to encourage during those times. There's going to be some, but the closer that you get to the end of the race, the more resistance, the more difficulty, the more trials, the more that you want to give up and the more that you have to convince yourself to push through, they specifically make sure that there are people at each and every one of those points because they know that with encouragement, the chances of you continuing to run are greater than if you're all alone. Be that for someone. And listen, here's, here's one of the toughest things for me as I'm running this race. Because, listen, there's, there's, something, there's, there's something about holding this, this place that I have, this pastor, this, this minister, that for whatever reason, there are times that my flesh needs to tell me, it tries to tell me that I need to put on the superhero cape and I need to be bulletproof. That I need to suck it up, pull myself up, don't talk about it, go on because you've got a whole room full of people that listen to you. You've got people that come to you with problems. You've got people who depend on you for counsel. You've got people who need you to be praying for them. Don't worry about what's going on in your life. And if I allow myself to stay in that mindset, I will inevitably crash and everything will fall apart around me. And it's the same with you. I had to, it, it's been several months ago now 
I remember sitting in, in one of our elders' meetings, making a promise to my brothers that when I begin to struggle, when things get difficult for me, that I would no longer bottle them up and not talk to somebody. That I would reach out to someone, if not everyone in that room, and go, listen, I'm struggling. I need some help. I need some prayer. I need my brothers. I need my sisters. I need you. And I think that if we were all honest with ourselves, we're there a lot more regularly than what we would like to admit, aren't we? So, what's one of those things? I want to ask the praise team if they would to come back up. The thing that so easily weighs me down, that besets me, that sin, well, I think that it's right at the core of what I just shared with you about me personally, and it's the truth for every one of us. It's pride. And what we're going to see when we get back into Hebrews and throughout the rest of chapter 12, the one of the things that's challenged the most out of everything is our pride. Because the times that I struggle the most, the times that I find myself wallowing, and the times that I am not running the race well, most every time I can trace it back and look back and go, it's because of my pride. It's because I took my eyes off of Jesus. And this morning, you may be in the midst of something. And guess what? It may or may not be your fault. You may have brought it on, on yourself. Or you may have had nothing to do with it, and you're just collateral damage. A couple things that doesn't change. Number one, it doesn't change the pain or the struggle that you're in the midst of, whether it's your fault or not. And number two, the source of hope that you have during this time does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, I pray that this uh, has encouraged hearts, that God, let us keep our eyes on you. Let us lay aside the things, the, the areas of our lives that, that pull us back, that hinder us, that keep us from running well after you. God, I pray that you would um, continually remind us of your faithfulness. Don't allow us to lose sight of that. Remind us that we have brothers and sisters around us who love us and remind us that, God, that you're the beginning, you're the middle, and you're the end of our race, of this journey, and that you have begun a good work in our lives and you are faithful to see it through. In Jesus' name, amen.